0: To Better than a pill. I'm Carrie Van and I help women over 40 improve their health and wellness and live pain-free. Welcome back to Better Than a Pill. Today I'm so excited to have Victor Briere on as a guest. And Victor is the co-founder of the International Institute of Ayurveda and also a Kondolini yoga teacher. So Today, we're gonna be talking about Ayurveda as a natural alternative to modern medicine. So I'm so excited to have you here. Welcome, Victor.
1: Thank you, Carrie. Looking forward to our talk.
0: Excellent. So let's get started and just tell us a little bit about your story in terms of how you got involved in doing this work.
1: Well, I'll tell the short version of the story, which is I had a health issue when I was about 18, um, some back problems. It was, you know, in that range of like, it wasn't bad enough to be life threatening by any means, but it wasn't so minor that I could just ignore it and move on. So I went to God knows how many doctors, um, in Los Angeles, you know, went to some of the best people at the time. And long story short, basically one of the, one of the neurologists sat me down and said, look, you know, I was 18 at the time. I'd never heard of Ayurveda or yoga or anything like that. And he said, listen, we're not going to be able to help you, um, just being honest. And I really appreciated that. He said, you know, you're you're in that range where you, you don't have anything that's life-threatening. Um, it's not something that fits into our insurance rubric. Um, so you're going to need to look elsewhere for help. And so that kind of opened my eyes because I grew up in Los Angeles and kind of in the normal realm, so to speak. And um, having this like very professional person basically say, we're not going to help, um, awaken me to the reality of the, the system, you know? So I started searching for alternative methodologies and basically came across yoga, which led me to Ayurveda, um, which basically in a matter of two weeks, my issue was gone that i had had oh, wow. for years. Yeah.
0: That's powerful. Wow. Amazing. Yeah.
1: yeah. So yeah. I was shocked and, you know, opened up and that really affected me at a time in my life where I was, you know, looking for answers. And so I followed that path.
0: Well, that totally makes sense why you did follow that path and and you had such a great experience with it helping your own body that you wanted to pursue it and help other people correct
1: yeah absolutely that that really influenced me so it was it wasn't uh, i started practicing yoga pretty religiously but um it wasn't maybe until 6 years later that i met the person who introduced me to ayurveda and then i took it from there
0: okay so I don't, I am not familiar with Ayurveda and I know a lot of people listening today aren't either. And I'm just curious as to, can you kind of give us a basic description as to, you know, what it is for, you know, just so we understand a little bit more about it to start.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so Ayurveda was created by women thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago, um, you know, it's, it's okay, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it's intuitive-based medicine. And, you know, to a lot of people, especially men, frankly, um, it's like, whoa, you know, what does that even mean? I need it to be scientifically backed. I need it to be rational. I need it to be logical. But unfortunately, in our modern day, we've kind of been... Into thinking that that's the only way to go about living life, um, the proper way of going about living life, which is very unfortunate because there's a whole other reality that's present with us right now that actually contains much more of the truth about healing that allopathic medicine is just starting to catch up to. Um, and that is the whole psychosomatic intuitive realm of knowledge that um, is accessible to every human being.
0: Okay, you've you got me curious. Yeah, Definitely. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. So Ayurveda comes from that lineage, as many Eastern medicinal arts do. And basically, you know, in a nutshell, what it proposes is that we as a human being are so complex and we have so many functions in our body that it's impossible to piecemeal ourselves into systems that contain knowledge of the whole. So instead, what Ayurveda proposes to do is to develop an entire lifestyle that is fundamentally healing in nature so that not only do we prevent disease, but that when we do come across the inevitability of disease, that we are resilient and equipped to actually maneuver ourselves through it to the point where we can um, return ourselves to a state of homeostasis in our body without resorting to surgeries or, you know, extremes, um, or medications that basically just serve as a band-aid to the reality or the causal nature of our disease.
0: Okay. Yeah. So that absolutely makes sense. It sounds like, you know, like a lot of other alternative practices, it's, it's lifestyle based and and you're looking at the whole person. Um, but what makes it unique and different? What, what's what is the for example are you using herbs or ha- how do you use nutrition or explain a little bit more on that if you would
1: sure yeah so of course i already uses herbal medicine of course it uses uh food food is medicine right whatever we put into our body be it breath uh liquids or food um has a profound effect on our system and We've lost touch with that with kind of the modern idea of dietary uh, principles like calories and stuff like that. That's just, it's just not enough to capture the range of what the human being is. And so Ayurveda tries to combine and synthesize all those to help us stay in balance with what our constitution was when we were born or actually conceived really. So the idea in Ayurveda is that you're conceived and you have a balance point. That's set at that conception, and everybody's a little bit different. Although there are archetypal themes, and going through life, you want to stay as close to that balance point as you can. And the way to do that is to honor your nature, and that's a whole—that's the whole art and science of Ayurveda—is how do you honor that nature? So by you know what you put into your mouth, what you perceive through your sense organs—sight, touch, hearing, s- smell, taste—all um, that that's all part of what we consume. And then our body digests what we consume and our body's ability to transform that into our bodily tissue determines how healthy we're going to be.
0: Okay. And so we all have different natures, right? Yes. Yes. And how, how does a practitioner I guess put you know how do you make use of the different natures and and what's different for each person in terms of how you treat them? I guess I'm wondering.
1: Yeah, of course. So, like for example, let's take you for example, right? If you don't mind. So you have almond-shaped eyes. Your eyes are blue. You have blonde hair. Your complexion is reddish. All those things tell me, as an Ayurvedic practitioner, that you're a Pitta prakriti. and those are fancy Sanskrit words that you don't need to memorize, right? But basically, it gives it gives me a sense that your body is geared towards a certain elemental composition. And if you were to stray from that elemental composition, you're going to get sick. If you maintain that elemental composition, you're going to be healthy. So, for example, if you go out and eat a bunch of spicy food, drink a bunch of acidic drinks like coffee and alcohol and so on and so forth, you're going to overdo yourself, right? And you're going to develop diseases based on those qualities. And so an IRA practitioner is trained to know what those qualities are and to say, hey, you're someone who already has a lot of this type of quality, which namely is acidity. And you're going to need to develop a lifestyle that actually counterbalances that.
0: Okay. So, the, so explain a little bit about, cause you, so acidity seems to be a key here and, yeah. Okay, so so you're trying to—is that what what unique to the person, like how much acidity they get into their their diet, for example?
1: Correct, correct, yeah. So for it's going to be acidity for someone else. They may need more acidity, right? And that's what an Ayurvedic practitioner is trained to do is to tell those sorts of things just by looking at you, because our makeup um, exposes us. Let's say, right? So. So someone else who has a much uh, less acidic system by nature is going to actually need to imbibe the same substances that you should avoid. And that's something that allopathic medicine doesn't take into account much, right? So allopathy kind of just says, okay, you have a symptom, you have a disease, here's a pill for that disease. But Ayurveda would say, no, 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 the same disease can come from many different sources, and we got to identify the cause. So Ayurveda is always focused on what the cause is of the disease. For example, if you have hyperacidity, the cause may be different from someone else who has hyperacidity. And so the treatment is going to be vastly different, even though the disease and the symptoms are the same.
0: I see. So they're they're assessing, a practitioner is assessing you by the outside and, and getting some information. What how how else do they diagnose and, and recommend treatments besides the visual component?
1: Besides the visual component, there are two other components, which is the touch, which is a big component. So like if you go into my office and you sit down at my clinic, you'll get on a massage table and we'll palpate your abdomen. We'll feel your skin. We'll check underneath your eyes. We'll check your tongue, all that kind of stuff. And we'll read your pulses. And pulse reading isn't just about finding the pulse rate it's an ancient knowledge known to Chinese medicine and Ayurveda uh, to assess all the internal states of someone's organs and tissues and so on and so forth. So the body is constantly talking to us. And if we know how to speak the language, which is what a healer is built to do, then we can derive tons of information about that person's system just by using our own five senses.
0: That's pretty fascinating.
1: Yeah. And So a lot of, a lot of allopathic doctors, not modern day, but maybe in the forties and fifties relied on the same techniques.
0: I see. And so this is something that you you've seen in your experience, obviously work, right? Of course. Yeah, of course.
1: (laughs) All the time. Yeah.
0: And, and what, what, um, what are you, what specific illnesses, um, are you dealing with when you're treating somebody?
1: Well, you know, So Ayurveda in the modern day is relevant, especially when it comes to diabetes, um, which is called Prameha in Ayurveda. And diabetes is largely or swiftly, I should say, becoming the number one disease in the world. And it's perfect in a way that 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 disease is becoming so vogue because it is the quintessential lifestyle disease right? People are sedentary. Uh, People are eating the wrong foods. People are depressed, right? Um, And all those things combined create what is known as diabetes. It's not a coincidence, right? Right. So, you know, in the United States, uh, there's some ungodly percentage of people who have prediabetes and diabetes. And it just goes to show that we're all living so disconnected from what is actually healthy for us that we're developing these lifestyle diseases. So of course, there are others besides diabetes, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, dementia, you name it, it doesn't matter, right? They're all coming from basically the same source, which is with which is that we're ignoring the fundamental principles of health in our life. Um, and people can blame genetics all they want, but I'm sorry, it's not genetics. Um, it is the way we're living.
0: Yeah. No, I agree with you a hundred percent. I mean, why not? If there, there's so many things we can do to you know, change things by starting with our lifestyle, a hundred percent. And Ayurveda is one of those things that can be helpful for somebody who's, who wants to look outside of what's going on in, let's say mainstream medicine and, and maybe address the lifestyle. Right.
1: Right. Which is very hard to do. And, you know, the, the problem is that Ayurveda says that, okay, so you got three pillars of health. The first is what we take in. That's food, water, sense, perceptions, right? That's one pillar. Second pillar is sleep. How long do we sleep? And the third pillar is, but why the second pillar is because sleep is primarily responsible for our rejuvenative capacities. The third pillar is the hardest to deal with, and that is our relational health. The way we relate to others, single biggest factor in health and completely ignored by the modern health system. So our psychological health based on how we relate to others, which is basically based on how we experience ourselves, is kind of the final frontier of medicine. And Ayurveda and Chinese medicine and many Eastern medicine arts have been addressing that forever. And, but because people don't want to face that dragon, so to speak, We've resorted to taking a pill.
0: Ah, so, yeah. So, so that makes sense because that component, which, what you're saying, the relationship component to our lifestyle is the one that most people are running from. They don't want to avoid. And it begins with their relationship with themselves, right? Yeah, both
1: the relationship with themselves and relationship with others happens concurrently. We're, we're social animals. And we're not wired to live alone um, as much as the you know depiction of the Marlboro man would suggest otherwise. Um, it's just not true. And it's a lie that we've been told. And people really struggle with that because that's where the hurt is, right? That's where the real wounds are. Is um I can't cope with this because I've been betrayed. I've I don't know how to do a relationship, and so I'm going to resort to unhealthy behaviors to cope with my pain. And you know, when we get down to it. That's where most disease is coming from, really.
0: Yeah, and I find that so fascinating. And I think the more I delve into all this work and hear people, that that totally makes sense to me. Because, yeah, we do want to to address the physical side of everything a hundred percent, right? That's one one part. But this piece, what you're what you're talking about, your is the hardest part,
1: right? By far, yeah. by far, yeah. by far, it's the hardest part because we have to do things we don't want to do and we have to wake up to our own shadows. And, um, you know, when we get sick, it creates an opportunity for us to, not that I wish sickness upon anyone, but it creates an opportunity for us to see why, why have we gotten sick, right? And again, I repeat this only because it's, it's um, you know, kind of driven into our modern language, but, we can't say I, I got the cancer because of genetics. That's that's very rarely true. I'm not saying it's never true, but it's very rarely true. And we have to look at the fact that we've made choices out of fear in our life. And then that sets up behaviors. And then those behaviors are what drive us to get sick.
0: Yeah. And so you're seeing this a lot, Victor. So are you um, addressing, let's say, things with people at an emotional level? Like it sounds like there could be the angers, you know, that are, are stored in them that could be causing things and the fears. Tell, explain a little bit about how Ayurveda can help with that and what you do with that. I think it's fascinating.
1: Yeah, it's very hard, but Ayurveda encourages people to have proper relationship. And but what does that mean, right? What does proper relationship mean? Well, in a nutshell, it means you're going to dig into yourself to the point where you acknowledge the honesty that one, you want relationship, right? Which is a lot of people have disowned that and said, I'll just do it myself or I'll be okay by myself. Right. And once you've acknowledged that, you got to ask yourself the question, well, how do I find that in this world? And what do I do to create that? And that's a harrowing task. No one's saying that that's easy, but what it comes down to is basically living in service to the spirit of other people, not, not what they proclaim that they want, but to their spiritual needs. And so Ayurveda at its core is a spiritual science and ask people to do whatever it takes to connect with that level of themselves so that they can honor that in others and thus forge a relationship that is both honest and uplifting.
0: Yeah, yeah, so that, so you hit on the nail there. And I think there's gonna be crossover um, when it comes to, we're talking about, spirituality I know as a Christian I'm sitting here listening to you and I'm like yeah I can relate to all those things right but you're addressing it you know in just a different manner and so so spiritually we're here to help other people you know share and pass on is what you're saying Uh, be of service to others
1: yeah and so like we can talk Christianity I love Christianity Um, and so you take Christian's greatest teacher which is Jesus of course And, you know, it's all over his testimony, like, you know, it's just the kingdom of heaven with is within, Um, you know, (laughs) um, love thy neighbor as thyself. I mean, it's all about relationship and the self, right? And he's one of the greatest teachers of all time and completely heart-based approach. And Ayurveda would completely align with the heart of Jesus. There's no question about it.
0: Wow, that's powerful. So that, so, so this, um, wow. So there's so much more to Ayurveda than I, than I realized. And so you're, when you're working with some, you're addressing all these levels. I mean, now, and, and, and when you do that, are you helping them? Is it like a talk therapy or I'm just curious as as to exactly how you do it?
1: Well, I gotta say, I don't think I found the answer myself. Um, So yes, it is talk therapy. Um, It's encouraging people to aspire to a greater part of themselves that is not so easy to aspire to. Um, It asks you to do things you don't want to do, right? Because of your own fear and resentment, one's own fear and resentment. Um, But I mean, just to keep on the Christian line, I think fundamentally Ayurveda asks you to touch your own heart and to see yourself as sacred and to live that out and to cast out your own personal demons, um, and to fight that fight. That's what Ayurveda is basically asking you to do. And it's asking you to do it in a very real and practical and earthy way.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's powerful right there. And that totally resonates with me. I can see how, I mean, isn't that where it's at going deep and getting in tune with our hearts you know, what we're, what we are from an authentic level meant to be. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. And so, you know, when someone is going through the darkness of disease, which is a darkness, right? Let's not lie to ourselves. Um, They need support and they need someone who is sitting there willing to listen and who understands maybe something that they may have gone through at least part of it. Right. And you need someone to help say, Hey, like, look, there's a way out of this, but you got to choose it. So, you know, one of my closest friends one time told me, uh, I asked him, Hey, what's the difference between nice and kind. Right. And he says, well, you know, nice is being there for someone, but kindness has teeth. Mm. And, um, I'll never forget that because what I remember, to ask you to do is to basically for the practitioner and and the person sitting in a chair across from the practitioner is to say, hey man, have some teeth right? you got to bear your teeth at this disease and you gotta fight for yourself a little bit because what how you have been living is not honoring the level of yourself that you could live not an easy thing to do
0: no, a hundred percent but that's that's really powerful work that you're doing and and that's where it's at and 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 let me ask you like are you seeing people like what's the success rate would be my question with with people that you're with that you're helping with with this approach
1: um the success rate i would say is okay so like when you're dealing with something like acid reflux right the success rate's very high it's not that hard of a disease to combat a few changes you can make it happen Right. When you're dealing with something like depression, the success rate is very low. So, yeah. So and when you're dealing with something like diabetes, the success rates in the middle, Um, the heavier disease, the lower the success rate. So but I think success rates a little bit of a misleading word. The more the deeper the disease, the deeper the psychological patterns that hold that disease in place and the more intense the therapy needs to be. And when I say therapy, I don't mean talk therapy. I mean presence in one's life um, from not just the practitioner, but from parents, family, siblings, friends, um, spouses, all that stuff, right? And these days people aren't showing up and the support's not showing up, right? And I think that's what creates the low success. So I think what that really is, is a call to human beings to when someone's sick in their community, it takes a lot to step up to that, but it's vitally important because if we don't, what are we doing? We're just damning ourselves to more sickness and it's going to come hit us eventually. So we got to rise to the challenge. I mean, I think that's what Jesus would do anyways. So
0: absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah very well said well this has been fascinating so much information and you know and i know you're also addressing the levels like you said of nutrition and you're doing herbs and it's more than you know it's just everything combined and so thank you so much for sharing all this today
1: of course anytime i'm happy to talk about it i love to talk about it and you know i just uh the like last words i'll just say that you know healing is a is a divine practice that we all are capable of doing. Um, I'm an Ayurvedic practitioner. And so I know I have knowledge of plants and foods and things like that. But everyone in their own heart is capable of healing another if they would just reach out. And I think that's what human beings need. And so I don't consider healing a profession. I consider it a human capacity.
0: Oh, yeah, that's well said. And and so thank you for saying that, too, because if anyone here is listening today, I mean, taking that first step just to reach out and ask for help, I think, is a the biggest step of all.
1: Yeah, definitely to take a step and reach out for help. And then for the person who hears that reach to respond, you know, is sometimes yeah. harder than actually asking for help because it requires so much of us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Well, well, if you would like to learn more about Victor's work, which I'm sure he has a a lot more than we could fit in today, but we got a little information here, which I'm, I'm very grateful for. I'm going to include the, the link to his website in this podcast episode. And again, thank you so much, Victor, for coming on with us today.
1: Thanks, Carrie. Really appreciate it.
0: And remember, we do new episodes every week on Wednesday, and I look forward to having you join me then. I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. If you want more information about the podcast or to hear the latest episode, go to movementcraft.com slash podcast. If you enjoyed the episode and found it helpful, please make sure you subscribe and share with a friend or family member because our whole goal here at Better Than a Pill is to empower you with lifelong tools to live healthy and pain-free.